Father, we are in your presence. We want to hear your voice. May your light come to us. Unfold your word to us, Lord. Speak to us. Unfold your word to us. May the unfolding of your word bring light. May it dispel darkness. May everything to do with darkness, Lord. If there's anything to do with darkness surrounding our lives, even in the, in the, in the distant vicinity, Lord, we pray the light will outshine the darkness. May Jesus be exalted. May Jesus be exalted. May Jesus be exalted. May Jesus be exalted in our lives. Hallelujah. May Jesus be exalted in our lives. May your word come true in our lives. May your, may your word be proven in our lives. May your word be proven in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Honor, the, honor your people. Even as they regard your word, even as they receive your word, may them receive the manifestation of that word that they receive, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor we are living in exciting times. Amen. A lot is happening. A lot of things are happening. God is on the move. Man, God is on the move. Let's read from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself and that your, the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I shall to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you are, your ears are tuned in to receive God's word. Amen. I, I want you to touch your ears. Amen. Touch your ears. All of you have ears. I hope nobody has forgotten your ears back home. Yeah, you come to church with your ears. Amen. And I hope your ears are working. If not, we'll pray for you. I hope your ears are functioning well. Amen. What is the, the three bones in the ear? Malleus, incus, and stapes. Ah. I hope all of those things are working. Amen. And you can hear God's word. Amen. Do you know that God gave you two ears to listen to his word? Amen. That's the function of your ear is to hear his voice. Amen. And the function of your heart is to meditate on his word day and night. Amen. You cannot, you cannot uh, uh, put 
your ear or your heart or your senses to a better use than this. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, last week we were looking at that section of this letter, which is under consideration, where Jesus called out the disparity between the claims made by the Laodicean church and the actual state of affairs. Are you with me? They made some claims. I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And Jesus calls it out and says, that's what you say. But you do not know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and naked and blind. So he's exposing the, the disparity, say disparity, between their claims and what the reality is about their situation. Amen? See, you must understand something about God. God is not really interested in your claims. God is not interested in your claims about your life. Hello? God is not interested in your claims about your own life. He is not. Because He knows you better than yourself. And He can claim a lot of things about you. Maybe, maybe you think, you think so about you. Do you know that you can think about yourself in the wrong way? Far from truth. Man. That's why the Bible instructs us, let no man think highly of himself. Man. Hallelujah. But consider others better than? Man. The Bible says this. So God, God, God is not interested in your uh, bragging. Tell your neighbor, God does not like your bragging. Frankly, he's not even... He's not even giving ear when you brag. He just knows it is empty. Amen. God is not interested in your claims. He is interested in truth. Say truth. In the innermost beings. Amen. He, he is looking for that. He's looking for truth in the, in the innermost beings. Amen. You know, even in prayer, you must understand something about prayer. God does not give any credit to your prayer because of its long-windedness. Right. Oh, I prayed for one hour without stop. So what? What's the big deal? You prayed for one hour without stop. What matters to God is whether your prayer was a prayer of faith. Right. Amen. And whether your prayer was in line with the word of God. That's why it is important for us to study the word of God. So we, when, we make, when we stand before God and make these long-winded prayers, you know what Jesus calls it? You know what Jesus calls it? He calls it vain, say vain. Vain repetitions. You're, I mean, you're praying, you're keeping on, and you keep on praying, praying, praying. You're repeating the same thing over and over. You're not in any of those words that you're saying, but you're still saying it because you're very religious about it. And you're looking at the clock and you want to somehow finish 60 minutes of prayer. And you're not in a single word that you said. You're disconnected. And Jesus calls it vain. Can you imagine when you pray, he says vain. I mean, look, just, just think about it. You, you are praying it out. You are slogging it out in prayer. Huh? That's right. You, you are slogging it out. Before him in prayer, and Jesus says, God says, vain, vanity. 
you thought you were doing the right thing god see listen god is not impressed by your words god is not impressed by your claims god is not impressed by the fatness of your words god is not impressed by the eloquence of your words man he is looking for truth he is looking for faith say faith i mean he is looking for how well connected you are with his word amen is so this is the confidence that we have in him that he hears us what's the confidence he hears when when will we hear us when we pray according that we have the things that we have asked for when we pray according to his so the to, to begin with our prayer must be in accordance to the will of god our prayers are not even effective because of our many words somebody be set free this morning be set free this morning your prayers are not any better because of your many words like she said that's a gentile way babbling with many words that's what that, that's what you said babbling with many words it's a gentile way and we think we put our confidence in the duration of our prayer we put confidence in the the weight of our words or the you know how strong those words were that's not what works that's not what in fact do you know that you don't have to even utter a single word in any known language for god to hear your prayer somebody <laughs> this will set you free you know because he listens to groanings too deep for words the spirit makes intercession for you with groanings too deep for words amen and your vocabulary does not matter to god your vocabulary does not matter to god at all i mean you, you i mean you don't have to be an oxford english professor to have to make an effective prayer if that were the case then none of the disciples would have qualified to make effective prayers because none of them were academically brilliant only paul who came in later could uh, you know brag about and he said even that but i i can brag about i choose to call it like i said last week nothing is refuse say refuse so the way of the spirit teaches us that without uttering without long windedness god can still hear our prayers it's a way of the spirit man and you must always understand that there's a stark contrast between the way of the spirit and the way of the natural man and the bible is always teaching us i mean in fact we we come to the new testament it's always teaching us the contrast the contrast the contrast between the natural man and the spiritual man all of the epistles is about who a christian really is it teaches us how a spiritual man ought to be man i with me so your see, listen spiritual life is say far spiritual life is far from what the natural man is accustomed to the natural man is accustomed to certain traditions certain ways certain certain methodology say methodology but the spirit the life in the spirit is far from that the problem is as christians we come we start walking the spirit and then we pay attention to the things of the the world and we think that's how it must be and we neglect the principles of the spirit and we go after the, the principles of this world and we become very ineffective 
But we ought to be so sharp, man. We ought to be so sharp, so discerning, understanding what the life in the spirit is all about. Hallelujah. Do you know that the natural man talks a lot? The natural man talks a lot. You don't know that? The natural man likes to talk a lot. The spiritual man doesn't talk much. The natural man talks a lot. The spiritual man does not talk much. The natural man wants to talk more about himself. In the modern day language, we say it, uh, we call it self-promotion. We are living in the, the era of the greatest degree of self-promotion. I'm telling you, no generation before us has ever seen this kind of self-promotion. Lovers of self. The Bible very plainly calls it lovers of self. Everything to do with the self. We have nothing to do with the self. Our self has been crucified with Christ. Man, now we are one with Christ. It's a life in the spirit. So don't, don't let the, the Gentile way of... See, what was wrong with the Davidian church? They were making claims for themselves. I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have need of nothing. Now sometimes we feel that if we don't speak up for ourselves, who will speak for us? That's the Gentile way. That's the natural man. That's the natural man trying to tell you that if you don't speak for yourself, who will speak for you? You study the, the, the saints of old. Look at how God intervened. The vindication of God came when there was nobody to speak for them. But the vindication of God came when there was nobody to speak for them. God can speak through dreams, said dreams. Yes. To the extent that the, the man, the, 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 un, the heathen king who saw it, you know, went cuckoo. He went out of his... So God can do all that. He can grip the hearts of mighty men with fear. Do you know that? He does not need a PR agency to work for him or for his people. If you, don't, if you do not know some PR for ourselves, who will? See, look at this. Look at Luke chapter 18. I want to read from a passage here, a parable, where Jesus shows the contrast between the, the spiritual man and the natural man. Or the spiritual prayer and the natural prayer. Luke 18 verse 9. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in, the, in themselves that they were righteous. <laughs> Did you see that? They trusted in themselves that they were. There are many people like that in the world. They trust in themselves that they are, they are righteous. Do you know that? Have you seen such people? They trust in themselves that they are righteous. Where is their righteousness coming from? From their selves. Say self-righteousness. Yeah. So they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with, with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Swindlers. Oh, I'm not like other people. He's speaking for himself. He's speaking for himself. 
he is speaking for? And when he is speaking for himself, he is referring to others also. I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even this, like this tax collector, his own brother. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. You don't have to pray that prayer. Praise God. We don't have to pray that prayer. Amen. Because we have, God has shown mercy to us and we are no longer sinners. Amen. But this is reality. This is truth in the innermost beings. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Look at the next line. I love this. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. He went home justified. But the other man who justified himself didn't receive anything. I'm not like others. I'm not a swindler. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not like this tax collector down there. See, the Labdition Church was dealing with a similar problem. Similar to self-righteousness, I would say. Let's call it something else. Let's call it uh, self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. I have need of nothing. I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I have need of nothing. They commended themselves. They approved of themselves. They thought that they could be independent of God. Hello? Are you a Christian? How many Christians in this house this morning? Uh-huh. Do you know that as Christians, you're not called to live independent of Christ. Man, you're rooted in Christ. Man, you live in Christ. Say in Christ. You are in Him. You're not, you cannot be separated from Him. Amen. So don't try to live a life independent of Christ. You are dependent. Say dependent. So they thought they could be independent and work out, work out things on their own. In simpler words, they lost their appetite. Say appetite. There's no appetite. Full. Say full. Now you, you know that feeling, right? There's a spread before you, but what to do? Like I said last week, you snacked so much. You snacked so much before coming, before this feast, which uh, a friend or a family has presented before you. But you have snacked on the way. And when you see those Wonderful spread, that delightful spread. You're not feeling hungry at all. You're so full. If you, in fact, you don't want to even look at food. Nobody, nobody can... Uh, I cannot relate to that. I can relate to that. There are times when you go stand in front of food, you, don't, oh, you just don't want to look at food. But you're a foodie, say foodie. A foodie who does not want to see food. Why? Because you're so full of something else. So that's what... The problem was with the Labdition Church. They said, I have everything. No appetite. Say no appetite. They are actually in need. And God tells them that you are in need. You don't know that you are in need. But what to do? You have no. 
Say no appetite. Their riches, their wealth, their self-sufficiency made them think that they were doing great. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. A little bit of empowerment you feel. A little bit of blessing comes your way. And you experience the goodness of God. And you soon forget the provider of that goodness, the source of that goodness. And come to a place where I have everything. I'm rich. I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. But there are a lot of things that God is interested concerning your life with regards to fixing you, correcting you, shaping you, transforming you. But what to do? These riches have kind of eclipsed your vision concerning yourself. Are you with me? The greatest form of deception this is. It happens when you lose sight of who you really are. The greatest, say the greatest. Greatest form of deception. When you lose sight of who you really are. You know why, why that happens? You start to buy into what others think about you. When other people say something about you, okay, well, maybe that's right. And you start to believe that. You, you start to believe that. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden, by the way. They had a, a different idea. They bought into a different idea. The serpent deceived them, said deceived them, into a different idea. I'll tell you something, okay? I don't know how many of you like this. Nobody. Say nobody. nobody. Say nobody. nobody. Do like this. Nobody. nobody. One more time. Nobody, nobody. Can have a more honest opinion about you than God. Yes. Nobody. Yes. Nobody. Yes. Your wife or your husband with whom you spend, let's say, three decades... Even that person cannot have a more honest opinion than what God can say about you. Because what people think about you is obviously the result of your PR. And we are all good in that. We know how to present the, the right you. You know how to present the right you. So what people think about you, we say, we, we also have, uh, you know, major teaching on that. The first impression is the best impression. If we're teaching them, leave the best impression. The first impression is the best impression. So we teach like that. So we know how to present ourselves in such a way that they will never know the real you. To the point that even you fall for that. To the point that even you fall for that, what other people think about you. Because you presented something you camouflage yourself so well, presented something else before people, slowly you'll start to think that's who you are. It's far from reality. When God looks at you, how many of you know filters? You different, different filters. No, you know filters, right? When God looks at you, He's not using any filters. No filters. Your true tones, your true colors, the right hues, everything about you, every little detail about you is so clear to him because God does not use filters. This is the highest form of definition when it comes to your image. 
which God has. I'll tell you something else. Okay, some of you don't know this. Okay, some of you don't know this. So I need to tell you this. God can spot you even when you are in a crowd of 8 billion people. Do you know that? God can spot you. He knows exactly. He knows your uh, geographic, what do you call that? Ordinates. Coordinates. He knows where exactly you are. Doesn't matter. That's why, see, that's why David came to the conclusion. Where can I hide? Where can I hide? I mean, you tell him. I mean, you, 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 somebody help me. Where can I hide from your presence? I go to the remotest parts of the, parts of the earth. You are there. I go to the deep depths of the sea. You are there. Wherever I go, you are there. Your presence is wherever I go. So that's the God that you serve. So don't try to hide behind a crowd. Now some of you feel so comfortable when you are in a crowd. You like to be a part of a church that is overcrowded. Because you can be one in the crowd. Nobody notices your situation. Doesn't matter whether you are in a crowd of 5 people, 100 people, 1 billion people, 8 billion. Doesn't matter. God knows exactly who you are. Where you're coming from, what you've left behind, what's going on in your heart. The intention, that's why the intentions of your heart, the thoughts of your, of your heart, you waste it, the motives of your heart. That's the God that we serve. Don't play games with God. But everybody thinks that you are something big. You have so many followers, say followers. What a credit that is today. So many followers. So many people are following me. You, you have become an influencer. The only problem is what are you influencing them with? And what, what do they get to follow in you? What, what did Paul say? Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Okay, you can follow me, you're safe. Why? Because I follow Christ. So if you take credit in the fact that you have so many followers and they go, wow, when you post some, you, you don't even have to post your full-size image. Maybe the, the shoes. Take a snap, put it up on social media. 10,000 likes in one hour. And you go like, wow, I have so many followers. That's the power. And you're deceived, say deceived. You're deceived into thinking what others think about you. See, that's how, that's how the enemy works. The enemy does not want you to think about yourself the way God is thinking about you. The devil wants you to have a, a notion about you which is far from what he thinks about you. One of the most critical things in Christian life is to know what God thinks about you. One of the most critical things. You haven't started living your Christian life if you don't know what God thinks about you. That's why we have the word. Say word. Now like what was shared this morning. You have the word. You know why the word? Because the word tells you exactly what he thinks about you. It shows us the exact perfect image which God has about you. And you work backward. Say work backward. 
You look at the image, the perfect image. This is what God thinks about me. Doesn't matter what people think about me. This is what God thinks about me. And the more you look at it, it transforms you. You are changed. It changed into the likeness of that image. Just think about it. Just think about it. God has given you his word so that you can look at it and be like that. Where are we looking? We're looking at? We are supposed to look at the word, but where are we looking? Where are we looking? Uh, we are looking at the world. That's a natural man. Say natural man. He looks at the, the, the image in the mirror. He turns, he forgets how he looked. That's a natural man. Hello? Do you know what that's happening to you? Don't go, give me that look. I'm telling you, that's exactly what's going on in your life. You look at the word and you turn and look at the world and you forget everything that the word said about you. So what is happening? Instead of being transformed in the likeness of the word, which gives you the perfect image that God has about you, you are, you're becoming more like the, the world. The world is given to us so that we can see what God sees about us and become just like that. Now, what a comfort. Can you ask for a better comfort in life than this? You can look at something and be transformed into that. The more you pay attention to that, the more you become like that. See, appetite. Touch your tummy and say appetite. I want you to know that lack of appetite in Christian life is a serious problem. It's a very serious problem. And we have songs about that, but they are not even, they're not even true. You know that some of the songs that we sing about, I'm hungry for you. We, today we sang that song, More of You. Do we really understand what we're singing about? We, 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 we sing like, you know, God is this uh, distant lover of, yeah, who, who went to a distant land, your lover, who's gone, to, that's not God. I want you to know that when we sing more of God, it does not mean, because he's given himself to you completely. He's given himself to you completely. Full, say full measure. The Holy Spirit did not come to you half measure. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit did not come to you half measure. For some, people in Tiruvilla got full measure. People in Kottam got half measure. People in uh, Cochin got quarter. That's not how it is. People in Jerusalem got more than full measure. That's not how it is. Full, say full measure. He gives the spirit without measure. We sang that today. A spirit without measure. So when we sing a song like more of you, you know what it actually means? What it is supposed to mean? We are craving for the word. Say word more of his word man being revealed to us more of his counsel being revealed to us so that we can be transformed in the likeness of that word that's what it is about that's what it is about uh, we are not craving for you know I, I wish I had more company with God. see you work it out God is not distant from you do you know that God is not distant from you when you, when you sing a song like that or you, you say things like that, that 
you must understand, we are not, we are not asking God to like move a little closer. Move a little closer to me, Lord. No. God, God has become the closest of closest to you. He cannot get any closer than that. But what you actually need is the word of God. Man. The word. Say the word. The life and the spirit. Say the, the hunger for God's word. No, 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 no. Not like that. See, that's the problem. Say hunger for God's word. Say hunger for God's word. You must feel it. Hunger for God's word. You are so hungry. That you, nothing is more important than receiving God's word. Every time you get to hear God's word or study God's word or listen to God's word, there is nothing more important than God's word because you are so hungry for God's word. So that's the way of life. That's the way of life. You must tune your senses to be like that. You are hungry for God's word. You are hungry for more. You want more of God's word. So, so if, if the hunger for God's word declines, it's a serious concern. It must be a serious concern for you. It, I, mean, I mean, in fact, I would say, as a minister of God, I would say, watch out. Watch out for the decline of that hunger. I mean, care, give attention, give attention. Give attention to the appetite for God's word. Give attention. Guard it. Say, guard it. Guard the appetite for God's word. Cherish it, treasure it, build it. Amen. 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 Review it, sir, review it. How hungry are you for God's word? Review it, check it. Time after time, over and over. Because that's what makes you who you're supposed to be. If it declines, it shows that you are into some unhealthy snacking. If a, if a Sunday service does not appeal to you anymore, if a Bible study does not appeal to you anymore, it just shows that you are into some unhealthy snacking. If the fellowship of the brethren does not really, does not really interest you anymore, it just shows that you are into some snacking which is unhealthy for you, which is toxic for you. See, you must, you know, I've, I've, I won't repeat it over and over, okay? When we have everything, we don't need God. How weird that is. When we have everything, then we don't need God. When we have nothing, we'll, do, we'll, we'll travel the extra mile to be in His presence. We'll, do, we'll walk if we have to all the way to church. We'll wake up the previous night if we have to, so somehow we can come and on time for church. But now that we have three cars in our porch, lots of money to fill gas, and all the time in the world, because we have servants now, not one or two, maybe three of them, we don't have hunger. I know that you won't like a bit of what I say, but this is the reality. This is the reality. Come on church, agree. This is the reality. I know it. I know it. I've read my life to understand this is what it is. So I'm so watchful. I'm so careful. Because I've seen this trend. This is a human trend. When we have everything, if we don't feel the need for God, we don't need, feel the need for his word. Amen? God desires that you feel miserable without his word. You must feel so miserable without his word. Amen? So, so desperate without his word. 
if the word is not enough you feel so sick you feel you feel so there is something wrong you are empty i want to be distracted we have so many things to distract us so many things to distract us we have television in every room we have multiple mobile phones we have gadgets of all kinds we have accounts in every social media we have all that we have a lot of friends so we are distracted distracted jesus said you man shall not live by bread alone but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of god you got to have an appetite for every word every, say every word one more time say every word one more time say every word say every word do you know do you know that most of us are not living by every word most of us are missing out on a lot of that word we only have want some word say some word a little bit a little, just a little bit a nugget say nugget nugget of god's word good enough and then we'll run 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 hit hit against the wall and we'll feel okay i want the next nugget now go back you know how how mothers feed children now you know how mothers have you seen how mothers feed children now it's like you know it's like a, at least five games are going on at the same time hide and seek um you know snake and ladder um police and thief you name it and the mother is running after the child there's a mobile phone in the in the child's hand that's the only time the child will you're training the child in the ways of god you're training the child in the in the ways of god hello wake up wake up wake up you know what the lord told me this morning as i was driving this side the lord said if a generation loses appetite for god's word the next generation is not there they don't exist if a generation loses the appetite for god's word the next generation does not exist simply does not exist so you are you determine how your kids are going to be you must feel it every time every time you do something wrong you must feel so miserable how, how could i do that because i put my child's future in jeopardy what kind of example do you show your children is there a hunger for god's word in your life that your children can look up to what are you famous for in your house before your children that you have six pack that you have a you have so much money or you're somebody who loves god's word hello nobody speaking anything this dead dead silence here I'm telling you, children who grew up seeing the wrong example in life will have a hard time coming right, coming around. Somebody, your lack of appetite is an offense to God. your lack of appetite is an offense to god now you go to a place and the the host of that house and he the, the he and she or maybe whoever it is they spread they 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 uh 
made this big spread before you. Come and feast with us. Let's have some fellowship over food. And you, you go like, no, I'm not hungry. You put yourself in, that, in the place of that host, okay? You cooked chicken, beef, mutton, pork, five or six types of dessert and this and that. It's one of the biggest buffet that you ever cooked in your entire life. And you call somebody important. Person comes and says, I'm not hungry. How would you feel? That's what you're going, doing to God. Your lack of appetite for God's word is an offense to God. When you stay from the teaching of God's word, it offends God. It offends God. It hurts God. It hurts God. Because you're not behaving like a child of God. You're not giving him the honor of a father. You're telling the father, I don't need it. I'm already fed. You know that? That's what you, that's what you do. When you don't pay attention to the word of God, you are telling the father in heaven, I'm already fed. But the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father. The father, say the father. The father, not the world. Not by every word that proceeds from the world, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the? The mouth of the Father. The Father. It hurts God. Because it, you know why it hurts God? Do you know why it hurts God? You know why God takes offense when you don't pay attention to God's word? You know why it hurts God? Because it prevents God from doing anything in your life. See, the only way God can affect something in your life is through His Word. That's the only way. God cannot do anything in a Christian's life except through His Word. The Word is the channel of God's work in your life. The Word is the channel of God's work in your life. It's the manifestation of power in your life. When you don't pay attention to God's Word, you are putting yourself in a place where you're preventing God from doing anything. And you crib and you cry and you, you sob and you crawl and you do everything saying that God is not doing anything. I'll tell you why God is not doing anything. Because you're not listening to God. God can't do anything. Somebody listen to me. This is the reality. Now we have, we, we blame it on people. We blame it on other believers. We blame it on our parents. We blame it on our pastor. We blame it on our leader. We blame it on our friends. We blame it on our spouse. We blame it on our I mean, we blame it on everybody else and God and the angels. Nothing is happening. I'll tell you why. Because you're not paying attention to God's word. If you don't pay attention to God's word, if you don't give ear to the word of God, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing can happen because the word is the power to do things in your life. The, the only transforming power in this whole universe is the power of God's word. That's the only transforming power. Amen. That's the only power that can change you, transform you, and make you into the likeness of Christ. God's word. But you've lost appetite. Say lost appetite. You're too full. Because you're, you're living an unhealthy life. You're snacking on things of this world. And you have different varieties of snacks. You have the crisp. You have the softs. You have the, the jelly types. You have the chewy types. You have the sweet and the sour. Combined, everything is there. When you come to, God, come to God's word, no appetite. Why? You're full. 
So his advice, God's advice, the advice of Jesus Christ to this church, the Laodicean church, the lukewarm church, the church that thinks they are self-sufficient, his advice is, I advise you, Jesus told them, I advise you, buy from me gold. Say gold. Do you know that you can buy from him without money? You can buy from God without money. Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Ho everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you, have, you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Who's calling? Who's calling? Not more supermarket. Not Lulu. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money? For what is not bread? So that's, see, that, that is, you must come back to your senses. You must come back to your senses. Now you are spending resources on things which are not, gonna go, not good for you. You're not spending your resources on things which are edifying or building or uh, you know, stimulating growth in you. In fact, you are, you are, you're pushing into your system toxic substances. Which only will cause you to bloat up. Say bloat up. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Say good. And delight. Say delight. Yourself in abundance. Say abundance. See this is, see, this is the call of God. This, this is the invitation of God. Come ho. It says ho. Everyone who thirsts come to the waters. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Where would you get milk and wine without cost? Who would feed you with that kind of a, a feeding? Only God. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. And eat what is good. And delight yourself in abundance. Say abundance. God's call is a call into abundance. Into the good. Say good things. He will satisfy your life with? Good things. Good things. That's right. Your mouth, your life. He will satisfy with good things. But the prerequisite for the same is say hunger. Appetite for what? For God's word. If you don't have any appetite for God's word, there's no abundance. There's no goodness. Amen. There's nothing free. There's nothing free. But if you have appetite, the call is for those who are hungry. In fact, it says, the first verse one more time. Put up. Everyone who thirsts. Everyone who thirsts. You must have a thirst for God's word. 
a desperation for God's word. Now on a Sunday morning, do you feel desperate to come to church because you're so thirsty for God's word? Every day you must feel a desperation for God's word because you want to hear from God. You don't disconnect your life from God's word. Hello? You don't want to disconnect your life from the word of God and the counsel of God because man shall not live by bread alone but by every word. Every word. So today that word matters. Every word matters to me this morning. Everything that God has to say matters to me today. Because it makes me who he wants me to be. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. That's right. He's a source. Say source. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. The father of lights. Man. With whom there is no shifting shadow or variation. You have variations. You have variations. Some days you don't feel like it. But with him, there is no shifting shadow variation. Every day, he's the same. Full of goodness. Full of abundance. Full of, full of delight. Say delight. That's right. Buying without money. Have you ever heard that concept? Buying without money. Is, he, he does not say taking. It says buying. You know, what is buying? Buying means you have to take the effort of going to that place and expect an exchange. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why he says, buy from me gold without money. Not even a barter system. Not even a barter system. You come hungry and thirsty. You come without money. You come and buy from me. Hallelujah. If with your riches you're spending on things which leave you dissatisfied, what's the point? You have riches, you have money, you have wealth. But if you're spending it on things which leave you dissatisfied, what's the point? What's the point? If it leaves you bloated, what's the point? If it hinders hunger in you, what's the point? If you lose the appetite for God's word and the things of God, what's the point? That's why, you know, some of those people were advised, go sell everything and come. And then we'll talk. Because with this, you don't have any appetite. You don't need anything. You're so full. Because your eyes are on those things. He felt very sad. Very sad because his heart, where your heart is, there your treasure is. Or where your treasure is, there your heart is. Man. You know, as little children, they must be taught, go, study God's word, read God's word. Not down, what did you hear from God? Now I make all three kids do it. They don't like it maybe. Do you like it? They better like it. But I know that if they follow that training, it will do good to them. That's all I can do. As a father, that's all I can do. Train them up. Amen. Amen? But God's word says, if you train them up in the right way, He will take care of the rest. Amen. He will take care of the rest. So don't take your pedal off, foot off the pedal. Don't take your foot off the pedal when it comes to training up your kids, when it comes to God's word. Give them a hunger for God's word. Stir it up every now and then. Provoke them. Question them. Challenge them. And come, 
ask the Lord to give you ideas to instill that hunger in them. Because once they become so full of themselves, they will not have that hunger. Even if you stand on the head, that will not change. But show by example. Show by example. Be that parent who, who spends time in God's word. Be that parent who spends time serving the Lord. Be that parent who spends time in prayer. Be that parent who speaks in tongues loudly. Be that parent who, who worships God unashamedly. Be that parent who insists on the principles of God being practiced at home. Don't be that parent who lives two lives. Because the kid can be very confused. You're the one in a certain in a certain group of people, with a certain group of people, you're somebody else with a... You understand what I'm saying? It's like split personality. The child will be confused. Why is he like this? Why is she like this? Be the same person. The same fervor you have for God in the house of God must be the same fervor you must have for God in your house. Hallelujah. Somebody, somebody listen. Somebody receive this. Somebody receive this. The Lord says, time is running out. Some of, for some of you, time is running out. Time is running out. Time is running out on, on you being able to make an influence on your kids. Time is running out. It's a word for somebody here. Time is running out. Listen carefully to me. I like that. Look at, look at that. Verse 2 says, listen carefully to me. So how do you eat? <laughs> how do you eat? Not with your mouth, but, but with your... You don't eat with your mouth. When it comes to God's word, you eat with your ears. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And delight yourself in abundance. See, the, the danger of not listening to God. I'll tell you what. One, you will keep feeding yourself with things which are not good for you. Two, carefully listen to this. One, you will, start, you will keep feeding yourself with things which are not good for you. Two, God will stop sending his word to you because you despised it with your lack of appetite. You can't agree to that. You can't agree to that, but that's the truth. God will not send his word to a place where it is despised. You see it all over scripture. You see it all over scripture. God will not send his word to a place where his word is despised. He will stop speaking. Till you repent. Till you repent. Now I was quite burdened. I'm, see, this is one of the burdens in, in my heart. I carry this burden. This is a very real uh, concern. If the word is burden or concern, whatever it is. The, I have this concern about the church. Not just this church. The church at large. About how we, this generation or this time of church, how we respond to the word of God or our lack of response to God's word. It's a concern. It is alarming. It is so different from the last five years. It's so different from the last 10 years. If you've been a Christian for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you know what I'm talking about. It's become so different. There's an alarming change in the way the church is responding to God's word. It is so sickening, so alarming. Amos chapter 8 verses 11 and 12. 
It's a prophetic word. Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Behold, days are coming. Is it on the screen? Thank you. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Did you see that? It's a, it's a prophecy about the last days. It's a prophecy about the, the, the tribulation maybe. The day of the Lord for sure. So that is the tribulation, the, the great tribulation. So in the last days we will, now we are already seeing famines. Say famines. You're not seeing famines? We are seeing famines. They already declared, you know, possible famines coming up if you don't know. You don't know that? Okay. You'll soon know. Okay, so... We are, we are, we are, we'll, we'll see famines, we'll see earthquakes, we'll see pestilences, we've seen all that. You are seeing that. Okay? It'll all come to a climax, a climax. But the worst kind of famine is yet to come. The worst kind of famine. When the church is removed from this earth, when we are raptured out of this earth, the earth will face a famine. You know what that famine is? A famine for God's word. Because the ministers of God's word are taken away. Amen? But God will still use ministers even in those days. But the church is taken away from this earth. And people will be so desperate for God's word. So that's what that, that word is saying. I will send a famine upon the land. Not a famine for bread or a thirst for water. But rather for the hearing the words of the Lord. A famine. The worst kind of famine you can ever imagine. And some of you don't feel anything. You know why? Because you have not realized this is how, how important this is. See, the thing is, we get, we get to feed from the word of God every now and then. We have the privilege of hearing God's word. We are the privileged ones. Man, even if you miss a few days, we still get to hear God's word. That's how privileged we are. So we don't really understand the concept of famine. When it comes to God's word. Because we live in abundance. Are you getting this? We live in abundance. When Noah told the world that rain is coming, nobody believed him. You know why? Because nobody has seen rain. He said flood is coming. Nobody believed him. Because nobody has seen flood. Likewise, when I tell you that famine is coming with regards to the word of God, you will not believe. Why? Because you are so used to the abundance of God's word. And you take it for granted. But I want to tell you, the days are coming where there will be a famine for God's word. We'll be taken away from the earth before that. But I want you to know, even now, so some of you are like, okay, then why should we bother? If we are going to be taken away from this earth, when that famine hits the earth, then why should we bother? But I want you to know, the, the, the foreshadow of that famine is already seen in the churches today. Already. That's why you go to certain places, there is no word. There's no word. They have everything but no word. They have good talk but no word. They have philosophies but no word. They have entertainment but, but no word. They have events but no word. They have personality development but no word. They have pep talk but no word. They have motivation but no word. Say word. Say word. Say word. Say word. You need the word. 
You need God's word. The worst kind of famine. Not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather a famine for the hearing the words of the Lord. Why will it happen? Because the people rejected the word when they had access to it. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. The world has access to God's word today. Why? Because of the church. But when they reject it, there will come about a time when God will remove the church, the authorized ministers of the word of God. And there will be a famine for God's word upon this earth. The worst kind of famine there ever is or ever will be. And I want you to know that today, even before the rapture, you will see foreshadow of that kind of famine. Not in the world, but in the church. Every so-called church which does not honor the word of God, which despise the word of God, which reject the word of God, which is deaf to the hear hearing of God's word, they will experience this famine. God will st stop speaking to them. I will remove your lampstands out of your place. Who said it? I did not say it. Jesus said it. I will remove your lampstands out of your out of its place. Without lamp, you cannot see. You heard that today morning. Lamp, lamp, light, lamp. What is that word? Say word, word. If you don't honor God's word, that's what will happen. See, when we have room for correction, receive it. When you have the room for correction, receive it. Don't despise it. Don't reject it. Don't prevent it. Why should you stretch it? Why should you stretch it? Tell me, why should you stretch it? When, you, when God is giving you room for correction, why should you stretch it? Respond, that's right, respond. Respond to God's word. Respond to God's word. Respond to God's word. When you start responding to God's word, the situations in your life will start responding to God's word. If you don't respond to God's word, the situations in your life will remain just the same. Hello. We're too ashamed to respond to God's word. We can respond to everything else, but we can't respond to God's word. We, we feel so disconnected from, with God's word. Why is that? I mean, examine ourselves. Is it because we lack the appetite that we used to have? Is it because we lack the appetite we used to have? Because we are so full of ourselves. We are so full of the world. We have been snacking, snacking, snacking on the things of this world. We lost the appetite for the word of God. You know, come to a place where, ask the Lord, Lord, break my heart when I see a rejection of your word. That I may go on my knees and pray and intercede for them. The word. Without the word, there is no hope. Without the word, there is no hope. Nothing can change your life. Nothing can change your situation except the word of God. Now, I like what was ministered by Pastor Nisha in this morning. She said, you, uh, you hear, the, hear the word of God. That is not enough, she said. You hearing the word of God is not enough. When what is required? You must dwell, said dwell. The problem is you hear the word of God and you turn and you walk away. You're not dwelling in the word. 
So you go back and hit the same situation without you being in the word. You must dwell in the word and the word must dwell in you. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. It must dwell in you. You know, find out for yourselves places. Find out for yourself uh, situations where you are fed God's word. You are nourished in God's word. Don't avoid them. Don't take it for granted. Remember this word famine. Famine. You know, when you know that famine is coming, you know what you'll, what you'll do? What did Joseph do? What did Joseph do? He knew that famine is coming. What did he do? He stored up grains. He stored up provision. He stored up food. He stored up everything that was required. The world came to him. For what? For the, the, the provision that he has stored up. Even the ones who despised him. Are you storing up God's word? Are you storing up God's word? Are you storing up God's word? Or t you take it for granted. Ah, I'm a Christian. I I'm living in Kote. I'm living in Thiruvall. I'm living in the central town with the belt, the Bible belt. Before you know the belt will be? The belt will be stripped and the Lord will say you are naked. You're naked. See, your interest in God's word, your hunger for God's word, your appetite for God's word, nourish it. You do something about it. Stir it, stir it, stir it. Stir it. You know, it breaks my heart. As a pastor, I want to tell this. It breaks my heart to see a low attendance for the Bible study. It is not a good sign. It's not a good sign. That's not how a church must be. It's not a good sign. Today we feel like doing whatever, whatever comes our way. I mean, see, everything is okay. Who is there to question us? Who is there to question? Who is to ask? If you dare to question, we'll find another place to go. You can go. But I will question you. I'm telling you. You can go where you want. But if you come to the church, I will question you. I will. Because I'm a pastor. A shepherd. I'm answerable to God. I'm answerable to God. And I'm telling you, if you despise the, the teaching of God's word, your life will be in shambles. It will be in shambles. You can pretend like everything is going well. It is not going well. I'm telling you. You can cover it up. You can hide it under the carpet. But I'm telling you, it is not going well. And it will not go well. Because without the word of God, there is no hope for your life. There's no hope for your life. Don't take, see, don't take uh, opportunities for granted. Don't take ministers for granted. How dare you? You're taking ministers of God for granted. Do you know who they are? Do you know who they are? You take them for granted. A man called by God. I was praying for Pastor Vin on his birthday. He turned 49, by the way, this week. I got the opportunity to just spend a little time with him. And I was praying for him. And the first thing, I opened my mouth and the Lord rem reminded me, it's not a small thing for a man to respond to the, to the voice of God to the call of God, not a small thing. And the one that I'm praying for is not an ordinary man. Why? Because you responded to the call of God. I want you to know that. Those who minister God's word to you, you may not like them, but they are not ordinary people. They responded to the call of God. God made them extraordinary. Amen? Hallelujah. 
but you are after all the celebrities oh oh and your your ministers come by ah sad sad i'm telling you sad terrible is your condition terrible your condition is so terrible i'm telling you because you don't know there's no discernment in you there is no discernment in you you don't know the value of these things you don't know the gift that god has. see the bible says christ has given gifts to the church gifts who gave you christ gave you gifts and you're despising those gifts so let's let's straighten up things let's straighten up things let's not play church let's not play church this is not a playing church i am not interested in playing neither you must be interested in playing let's not let's not play church let's be real before god let's be real before god you get making decisions about where you want to be where you going to be and all based on your convenience and based on your you know the 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 drive the what's what's the word's the word the instincts your instincts you want to you want to appease your instincts you're wrong don't go by instincts go by the word of god go by the word of god pay the price that you have to pay wholeheartedly i want to tell you it's not a sacrifice it'll not be a sacrifice the price that you pay to be with god the price that you pay to listen to the word of god it's not a sacrifice it's not a sacrifice it's worth more than anything else that you can ever own in your life it's worth see if your job is standing in the way of you hearing god's word and you being disciplined about coming to church and coming to the study of god's word i'm telling you your job is such a snare it is nothing it is nothing it's a curse i want to repeat that it's a curse if anything stands in your way of you enjoying the company of god and the word of god being taught to you it is a curse no i'm i'm busy busy is a curse you know but the old acronym says what's that uh, under satan's yoke uh busy what's the first word uh being under satan's yoke busy that's what you are you're busy you're right you're under satan's yoke don't get so busy for god don't get too busy for god man let us see the, the scripture you must study the scripture when you study the scripture it you must apply this you must apply when i will send a famine on the land not a famine for bread or, or a thirst for water but rather for hearing the words of the lord that means now is the time for you to to collect say collect to collect to store up say store up the word of god in your heart amen wherever you can the the children of israel were, were instructed what were they instructed write the word of god where inscribe it on the on the walls inscribe it on the walls so people can see when they walk they can see huh that's right stones of remembrance that's right stones of remembrance that the coming generations will remember what the lord has done memorials 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be so relaxed. Don't get so relaxed. Now stop crying for revival. Lords and revivals and revival. That's a, such an empty prayer. Revival happens when the church takes God's word seriously. Simple as that. Because he sent revival 2000 years back. The Holy Spirit came upon all flesh. Revival started. Amen. Now the revival, if you have to carry on the revival, it, it, it happens when, not when there is a 24-hour worship happening. That is not revival. Revival happens when there's a hunger for the word of God, a desperation for the word of God, and, and wanting to live according to the word of God. Give us the word. Tell us what God wants us to do. That is revival. Not loud music. Not loud music. Not un, non-stop music. No. No. First of all, come out of the notion that worship is all about playing music. No, that is not worship. That helps in worship. That helps in worship. God loves that. So it helps. But that's not worship. A revival happens when the church discards proud claims. I am rich. I am wealthy. I have come to need of nothing. Discard those claims and embrace the reality of what God thinks about you. Yes, Lord, what you're saying is right. What you're saying about me is right. And I need to change. So let, let me look into the mirror and let me become like what you want me to be. I look into the mirror of God's word and it transforms me into the image which God has for me. <coughs> Revival is a refusal. It's a refusal. It's a refusal to replace the abundance of God's word with a famine for the same. You refuse it. You prevent the famine from showing up. You, you prevent that famine. No, I'm not going to let famine. When I'm, when I'm alive, no famine for God's word. When I'm alive, the word of God is going to be plenty in this church. When I'm alive, the word of God is going to be plenty in my, in my house, in my home, in my family, in my neighborhood. The word of God will be plenty because I preach the word of God. I minister the word of God. I will not allow the famine of God's word to hit our land. Not when I'm alive. Not when I'm here. After I'm gone, fine. See, this, this prophetic word is to happen, must only happen once we are taken. Not when we are here. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I always get this uh, when I'm talking to people and when they seem they're not getting it. I always wish I can take them in time and make them, make them look back all those years backwards to realize the decisions that they're making now is the biggest folly of their life. Now we, are, we are so consumed about now, now, today. We forget what, where God is taking us. God is taking us somewhere. God is taking us somewhere. If I go by the plan of God, I'm going somewhere. If I'm not going by the plan of God, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. So you will stand up to our feet. Take this time. Ask yourself. Look at yourself. Or ask the Lord to reveal where do you stand? How is your appetite? 
how is your appetite are you hungry for god's word are you hungry for god's word does your actions your deeds your mannerisms your body language convey that you are hungry that you want it that you want it how keen how keen are you for god's word how keen are you for god's word how keen are you for god's word how far will you go for god's word 